All right. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. And today we're going to talk about death before the fall. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Well, our our great leader, uh, the man who loves us all, Uncle Joe, Joe Biden, has broken the record for most executive orders signed on a first week in office. Man, already breaking. And not only, dude, not (laughs) the glass ceiling is shattered. He has changed it. Not only has he broken the record, he has signed more than the last four presidents combined in their first week and his first week. So he's going for gold. (sighs) You know, I mean, when you set a precedent, it's going to be followed, right? Like, that's, that's executive order. That's the thing that we do. Yeah, I, I heard Shapiro talking about this today. He's saying that the executive orders intentionally were supposed to be like, here's the big thing we need to do. Now, all the logistics and moving parts push it through for the executive. Like the legislation would do something, make it a law. And then it's like, executive, figure it out, make it happen. And that was like the executive orders too of like, okay, right. based on this overall legislation that was made, we need to, you to do this. And so by executive order, you have to do this and like, kind of steamrolling those the small nuts and bolts right right right. but now it's like well forget the legislation like we don't need to make a law we just you know do it what did i run on get me a pen in here (laughs) the phone and pen president right so yeah i know it's crazy man it's just it's so bizarre that they can just do that just dictate like no this is how things are now no vote no anything yeah it's like, it's like we have no legislation i mean yeah. that, that that's that, that's the thing is like and it used to be complicated on purpose right it right. used to be like there's intended for gridlock that was by design so that so you couldn't just steamroll things through and have a dictatorship basically uh, an elected <laughs> dictatorship <laughs> of like well, whoever gets elected gets to decide everything for everybody right. so that that's not how it should go uh we debate these issues. We find the pros and cons. We have Congress. We have Senate, you know, but no, it's just, okay, we got this president. He's doing everything. So he's, cause he's got the king. He's the king now. Right. And so he can do whatever we want. We elected him. It's still democracy because we elected the king, but he's still all powerful. And it's like, well, that's not, that's that's not a good idea. <laughs> but I mean, Trump did it, you know? So it's right. like, you I do mean, these executive orders. You can't every every president does it. You set a precedent, everybody's gonna do it. So it's like, you know, and then that's that's when it becomes a hard thing. It's like, well, am I gonna be the chump who doesn't do it? You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> and that's the problem. It's like that was the problem with the uh, subprime mortgages, right? For the housing crisis mm. and stuff was like one bank was gonna like have integrity and not <laughs> give some waitress a loan for two houses or something. And but they'll go right down the street, and the other bank will do it, and, right. and, they, and get a subsidy, and get you know uh, money from the government for for handing out loans. And it's like, well, okay, well, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? It, it, it's with that weird integrity line of like, I'm going to hold on to my integrity and just lose. And <laughs> great, you know. <laughs> but we held our moral ground, right? <laughs> well, it's like you run a red light. You know, it's like well. So a cement truck has come behind you, can't stop on his brakes or, or whatever, or or he's drunk and there's a red light. And it's like, well, I'm going to do the right thing and not run the red light to get out of the way. It's like, <laughs> well, then you're going to die. 
You know, so, I saw a lot of people talking like that with the uh, the stimulus packages. Yeah, they're like, oh, if you you know if you believe this, this, and this, and you can't actually spend it, you have to have the integrity to not. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I man. know Crenshaw was talking about that. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like I still got bills, brother. <laughs> you guys have All been right. getting paid. I don't know about us, but. <laughs> Crenshaw didn't miss any paychecks. He's saying if you don't need it. I said, like, well, I mean, you can always use. Yeah, who doesn't? Account. I mean, who can't use that money? Like, yeah, I don't know. But it also is, you know, that that thing too with stimulus is like, uh, well, it it is, uh, everyone's feeling the impact of the economy. And so it's like if there's a, a police chase in your neighborhood and a cop runs his car through your living room, like the city has to pay for that. You can't, right. you know, it's not, I didn't, this is my fault. Right. It's so like, you have to pay me because you wrecked my stuff or like whatever. And so I think that's true, you know, in, in that mm-hmm. regard. So if you lost your job because the government told you to stop working, right. Well then I didn't do anything wrong. My company didn't do anything wrong. I just don't have a job anymore. Cause he told me not, I can't go to work. So what are you going to do about that? Like <laughs> that was, that was kind of my thing with like masks at the very beginning, at the very beginning, it was like, well, they're just gonna force me to buy something. I don't want to. I don't have a mask. This is before they're available, right? So they're just, giving them to you, right? Now they give them to you, and now it's like, but if it's like at the door, if you're gonna stop me because I didn't, I don't have a piece of clothing. It's like, well, are you gonna buy me one of those things? Then <laughs> I guess now they are. Yeah, we'll hand you one. But oh well, it's nuts. It's crazy. crazy I don't time. know if you ever thought about this, but if you if you had executive fiat for like a day. If you could push through like one executive order, what what would you put an executive order on? I mean, first thing that's come to mind, you know, abortion and right. stuff. Um, besides those kinds of things, um, it's hard to say how like like would it go as far as executive orders have gone right now, or is it like total dictator? Like as far as they go now, the, the king wand. <laughs> like you're not, you're not a, you're not Batmite. You can't change reality. You just, you're not a you, genie. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can do as much as like Trump or Biden could do. Where like this is signed, everybody's just like, well, I guess it's law now. Yeah. Um, man, there's a lot. I mean, you know, I, I would. Th- That's what I was thinking too. Um, the technology doesn't. Uh, exist yet but i was thinking of artificial intelligence mm. have you seen the thing like artificial intelligence creating a religion or something right yes, yeah. and it's like completely insane right it's like totally <laughs> incoherent right <laughs> but an, an artificial intelligence needs something to feed it right it needs like a formula right. or like an algorithm something to go off of right, right? well what if we inserted uh, the law of God from mm. the scripture or just scripture in general into this formula for artificial intelligence to perfectly map out, implement, right. To like right. put to it out and figure to, out all the, to make it effective. Right. Mm. Like what would, okay. AI, here's the playbook, you know, mm. how, what do we do? How do we set this up with the laws that with, with the United States and everything? It'd be interesting to see what comes out of that on the other end of all that. If we put like the Constitution and American history mm. and the Bible into an AI machine to spit out, you know, this computer programmed way <laughs> to operate, basically. 
Uh-huh. I feel like that's a good premise for a sci-fi story, but I don't know if I could stick the ending. <laughs> it's a good premise. Well, you know, it's hard because like it's gonna get judges. It's gonna get yeah Joshua. It's gonna get you know <laughs> revelation. <laughs> it's gonna have laws about dragon husbandry. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Man grasshoppers and like. Oh jeez, like, but it's okay, like, but well, like, but, but see, that's the thing because it's like, okay, well, it, it has the Bible, so we would interpret that scripture with scripture, right? Like right. we ought to be doing, right, right, right. But it's like scripture requires interpretation, but we interpret it with the Bible. So if that was kind of part of the programming, I guess as, as well, then it would interpret Revelation with you know like Daniel and Ezekiel and right. Math, you know, so it's like and feasibly, that, feasibly, if it was connected to the internet, it would be able to pull the historical context on everything. See, but then it also pulls like interpretations and stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. It's like, okay, we don't want it pulling, you know, left behind stuff, right? Like, <laughs> that's the problem with AI. Mr. No Hagee like, and Osteen and Mormonism right. and everything, right? It's going to pull the word Jesus. Like, right. oh, what, if it, what if it aggregated like, oh, this person has the most followers, so they must be the one who's right on this topic, and then just fed that in. Right. Well, that's why it's going to be the Bible. That's why it's just don't, don't, don't put it in the internet because that's the chaos machine. Okay. Right? Just keep it contained to like just Ooh, scriptural, a scriptural way for where we are now, how to operate. Let's just mm. say just, let's just, just mm. the United States, just to start with, you know. I, what, I, what I see it would look like, and this kind of goes back to the executive order thing, is like a libertarianism with an objective moral standard. Right. Right. So like, and that's what it is. Like my my political stance or my political party or whatever would be libertarianism if it had a an objective moral standard. Right. It doesn't. So it's kind of a free for all. Like you can't harm yourself. You can have an abortion. You can't, you know. And so it's like, well, yeah, total like freedom, totally. But like, we're not autonomous. So there is an objective moral standard in a way that we ought to follow. So implement that. But as far as the civil magistrates concerned, hands off. Right. Right. So it would, yeah, I imagine that would be my executive order way to mm. feed the AI machine, the Bible and, <laughs> and just find out, find out a, a good program for that. That's the Achilles heel of libertarianism is it's always a free for all. Right. Like even a sensible libertarian has to be like, well, decriminalize all drugs, which, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, one way or the other, we should or we shouldn't, but you just say that to the average person. And it's like, what? Everything? Yeah. Yeah, There was a guy uh, on Rogan recently, Carl Hart. Did you see that one? He's this doctor who uh, specializes in drugs and he does drugs, Hmm. like all of them. And yeah, like heroin and like everything, but he does it like responsibly. He mm. says, there's a book called Drug Use for Adults, and it's right. basically like everything should be legal and we should be able to like just take them, take drugs. And it's very weird because he, 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 he's talking about um, addiction and how oh, someone goes to rehab and if someone's addicted, they have other problems in life. It's not just the drug's fault. Drugs are the scapegoat for our culture right. and stuff. And, and to some extent, I would agree with that right. as far as like being a heart issue, right? Like right. it's not less chemical that's making you do it. It's like, I mean, it is like, but you're using that. Right. You're, you're self-medicating, you're 
numbing yourself or whatever. So to an extent, I would agree with a lot of stuff he was saying, but he seems to completely disregard the idea of uh, our ability to handle drugs. Because mm. he, he basically, he kept saying like, well, they just didn't handle it. And it's like, well, it's heroin. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't built to handle it. <laughs> like, that's kind of the thing. You can't handle it like you know it's cocaine it's meth it's uh, what are you talking about he's like he, he seems to be under this under this impression that well, we can just use them responsibly just don't right. and it's like well, that's the whole thing man like you can't <laughs> it impairs your judgment it, it changes your mind um and you know he, he's done he's done a lot like every single drug under like clinical trials and he's even put himself through withdrawals oh wow and, and just to see like what what the big fuss is about. <laughs> is it really that bad? Right. And he kind of says it's not. He's like, it's he's like, yeah. it's like a it's like a flu, you know, what you see on TV, you know, it's like, geez, dude, come on. And and he, he, he seems to be disregarding that thing of 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 what everyone disregards when they fall into drugs, which is I can handle it. Yes. It's it's not that big a deal. It's not a problem. I, I've got it under control. Right. I know, I know, but you know, I've learned next time it'll be, you know, and it's like, that's what every drug addict says, right? I mean, that's what every alcoholic says. That's right. what everyone with, with an addiction problem to anything. Well, you know, to, to porn, to gambling, to their job, whatever. It's like, well, okay, but that's, I've got a handle on it. It doesn't affect you, my don't. personal life right now. Well, that's what he kept saying is like, well, does it affect your personal life? And again, he talked about uh, Jordan Peterson when he tried to get off those benzos mm, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and it screwed him up. Like, it totally messed him up trying to get off of those things. And he, he almost died, you know, and he went into a coma and everything. And uh, the guy's question was, well, why did he want to stop taking them? Mm. And he's like, he was functioning. He was doing his job. He wasn't affecting his family. It wasn't whatever. And, and Rogan didn't say this, which is stupid. But the... <laughs> The response to that is he's dependent on it. Right. It's a dependence thing. If he doesn't have this drug, he will die. He will go into withdrawals and it will be bad. And he will just Jones and go nuts and, and die. Uh, that's not okay because there might be a circumstance in your life where you run out of your bottle or you're out of town or you can't refill or you can't whatever. And now you're dead because you didn't keep this, you know, thing it's like that's not a good place to be to be dependent on this thing whatever it is so i mean but that goes even like for coffee like oh i can't function without my coffee right. it's like, okay, that's a problem like you need to because you might be in a situation where you don't have coffee and you have to be okay you know what i mean or or cigarettes or whatever it is and it's like you you can't just be abusive or freak out because you didn't have a cigarette like right. <laughs> that's a dependent like you're a slave to this you know yeah. um i, I don't know it's very it's very strange but um yeah, that's a whole libertarian thing. Legalize all drugs and stuff. I was like, well, okay, that's a little <laughs> weird. But, but anyway, speaking well, of death. Yeah, kind of seg- speaking of death, that kind of segues us to the topic today. So we didn't intend on this topic today. Um, we had a whole different place we were going, but through conversation, it was like, this sounds more interesting and maybe fruitful. So we ended up here instead. Uh, uh, fruitful. Uh, I get a pun <laughs> counter in the corner. <laughs> Ding. But yeah, the, the topic, death before the fall. So obviously we mean the fall in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve right. ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And 
brought sin and I would, I thought death into the world. <laughs> um, the, the idea was there death before the fall. And that's kind of the question uh, because then it's like, well, isn't death a part of the natural order of life, right? Like right. the circle of life. Right. And so uh, can, can there be an, a lion that doesn't kill? Mm. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't right. eat meat because if, if we believe that all creation and all animals were created pretty much the way they are now, uh, we got predators. We have right. animals with venom. We have, you know, uh, bugs that, kill their mates when they die and like, you know, mammals that eat their children and you know, whatever. Like, so yeah. Can you have a, a animal kingdom without death? Mm. So, cause there was in the, in the garden. And so how does that all work? And what is the tree of life? Um, that's a big question. Why is it there? Is that some, is that like they have to eat that to stay alive or could, could Adam and Eve have died? Um, yeah. So like what, what kind of question do you want to, let me tackle first, Julian. Ooh. Uh, I think the question of whether or not the, the predatory animals were predatory, like did things die? Did things eat other things? Right. Is an interesting topic. Because like you said, my assumption always too was like, you know, we talked about it earlier. Like, okay, we have kidneys. We have livers. That means at some point, like we, we weren't, it wasn't like we, uh, the fall happened and our internal organ structure changed. Right. Right. Like, do we assume that the fall happened and then suddenly they grew fangs and claws or? Yeah. Yeah. Did lions eat fruit before in, in the garden? Right. When you see the, like the children's Bible book, they're just walking around real calm. Nobody's angry. Right. Um, the big thing with that, I would say is pain. Mm. Um, so if a, if a lion would eat a gazelle for nourishment and, and sustenance, uh, because that's the natural order, and that's uh, what happens. You have predators and prey. I mean, a, a lot of lions will eat a zebra while it's alive. You know what I mean? There's no, right. like, so it's like, okay, I I don't believe there was any pain. I think, I think eating was not the end goal, but I do believe that sin and death entered the world in the fall when they disobeyed mm -hmm. i think it was a paradise i think it was uh, a place with no sin and no death and yeah but how does that work with like even even just say cows eat grass and right. grass dies right so like what about that how is that is death right i mean do plants die yeah you know well and part of that is that we talk about plants having life and death in the same way that we talk about us having life and death right we don't like differentiate the it, obviously there's a difference right like we don't mourn a tree getting cut down like that's not a problem we don't feel bad when that happens right but we do feel bad when a person dies that's a different kind of so obviously there's a different kind of life and a different kind of death right um and there is uh i mean i, I don't know like it, it's hard because the wage of sin is death, right? Right. And so I've always taken that to mean we, there is death because there is sin. There was no death, uh, not just eternal life and, and eternal death like in hell, but there was no death at all on earth without um, sin. So 
the wage of sin is death. And that's like real death that we experience. And so that's why there is disease. That's why there is pain and suffering right. and anguish and loss and depression and mental pain, physical pain, all, all kinds of these things because of sin. And it's like, well, the, in a world where there's no sin, there shouldn't be not be any of those things. Right. Right. But how does that go for the animal kingdom? Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> the, place I kind of go to in my head is the the verse where Paul talks about how all of creation has been groaning for redemption. Not, right. not just humanity, but all of creation. The, everything that's ever been created has a need to be redeemed and restored. Mm. So I, I think we don't think about that a lot when we talk about sin and the curse. Like the curse was universal. It affected every avenue of existence. Like everything got touched by that because of our disobedience. Right. Uh, kind of goes to like even John three sixteen. We quote it all the time. When God so loved the world, the world is not the people. The world is the cosmos. It's the created system. So the redemption of Christ is not just for humanity, but for all of creation. Uh-huh. So even even there has to be some aspect of the animal kingdom that was corrupted by the curse and the fall. There there has to be just scripturally speaking. Well, and and I think what the picture we get in Genesis with the garden is of multiplication, right? Not necessarily a circle of life that's kind of that God kind of spins into motion, but like when he when he creates all the other animal, when it creates everything else, the stars, the the sea, the uh, land, the trees, the plants, he says it is good, right? But right. when he creates animals and when he creates people, he blesses them and says, "Be fruitful, multiply, right. that they should be fruitful," right? And that blessing is always has a connotation with like procreation, like children are a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. And if a woman is fertile, blessed, she's fertile, right? And so right. it has this connotation of procreation with it, which only animals and humans procreate. Plants and fauna basically don't, or flora, don't procreate that way. They they right. kind of go out. And I was, some of the research we were doing for this uh, pointed me to Job 14, 7 through 10, where it says uh, in, in how plants die and, and humans and animals die, uh, it says, for there is hope for a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes last and where is he? So I think we kind of get this picture that like if you tear a, a, a plant off of a leaf or off of a, a, a leaf off a plant and put it in a cup of water, it will stay alive. You have not killed that thing. You've not, You'll grow a new plant in essence. Like it'll sprout into something. Right. We've got one. I'm literally staring at one right now. I'm looking at the plant and the dirt and pot it came from and the jar of water that it's in now with a bunch of leaves coming out of it. So mm-hmm. it's like we tore that off and broke it, which anything else would bleed out and die if we took a right. limb off. And but this we just plant it and it is still alive. So it didn't die, and that's a new plant, right? That's right. not procreation, that's transplantation or mm. something. You know? <laughs> so there's a difference there, and I think it's a significant significant difference. Right. Um, also, and I think the big difference here we see in flora and fauna is the blood, right? right. Like you just said, anything else would have bled out, right? Because that is well. So again, Le- Leviticus seventeen eleven for the life of a creature is in the blood. Right, and that's the the law against eating the blood because that is the life essence, like of the thing. And I think that's why Christ died on the cross and shed blood. Right, right. you didn't have to, you didn't need to raise a 
forest to the ground, we needed blood, right? Mm. So I think that is significant. And yeah, that's kind of, so to say that, this is like the statement would be, there was death before the fall. I, and, and, and the proof of that would be a vegetarian diet of humans, animals in the, in the garden. Mm-hmm. Well, so eat fruit, eat grass that dies, that's death. I don't think that's the same death that we're talking about, even in the context of the fall. Right. Of, like, wages of sin is death. Mm. I don't think plants are included in that, and vegetation is included in that. Right. And I think that's fair to say, because, like, I mean, like you're saying, you don't cut the grass and then it's like, I've ruined my lawn. Like, it grows back. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not dead. It's been cut off, but it's not dead. Or, like, even, you know, in, in a, I remember when I was a kid, we went on a field trip to an apple orchard and they explained that, like, if you want to grow a uh, Granny Smith tree, you don't plant a Granny Smith seed. You cut a branch off of a Granny Smith tree and stick it onto another tree. And now that branch will keep growing those apples, even though it's a different kind of tree. So, like, the plant, it's just not the same thing. You don't get another person by, like, cutting off your arm and letting it grow back. Right. You have to procreate. Right. Uh, close, close personal friend of the show, Doug Wilson talked about this before <laughs> in uh, one of his uh, podcasts, he was talking about how there was that, that idea of uh, useful entropy where things would be. Yes. That's a big question about entropy. Yeah. Go ahead. But it was, it was a productive entropy. So like when you eat food, it has to be turned into energy for you. So it has to be broken down by enzymes in your, in your gut. That's right. a form of entropy, but it's not, the kind where things just rot and fall apart and turn to dust. It's actually being converted and used for your benefit and your good. So in that sense, it, it wouldn't be so bad for a plant to fall over and rot and become fertilizer for another plant because it's useful and moving things forward in progression. Whereas right. there wasn't the destructive, uh, you know, the way he put it was nature, red and tooth and claw, where, you know, every creature was at each other's throat and there was war between man and animal. That wasn't a thing yet. Right. I agree. That's what I, I. That's what I believe. I believe, and that's what I'm. That's what I think when I say there was no death before the fall. Right. I, that's what I'm talking about. You know, nature, red, and tooth and claw. Like that is death to me. Like the in, in the blood, I think is significant. Um, in, in that regard, um, and also, uh, so Hebrews nine twenty two says, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And again, I think that's that significance of, of Jesus' blood right. being, being shed, you know, for the forgiveness of sins. And if we look at um, Genesis uh, 4, is it Genesis 4? Um, no, Genesis, yeah, Genesis 3, when he um, covers them, right? So, like, they, they sin, Adam and Eve sin. And what do they do? They hide and they cover themselves. Uh, they made themselves loincloths. They were naked and they sewed fig leaves right. together and made themselves loincloths, right? Again, presumably killing that fig leaf or bringing death to that to bring to make the loincloth, right? And they hear the sound of the God of, of the Lord God walking in the garden, of the, and a man who hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Um, so it says, who told you we were naked? Um, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? But then he uh, covers them with skins, right? Right. 
where is that? I'm just trying to find Garmin. So verse 22 or verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve and Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Right. Uh, that to me is the first death. Right. Because to get the skins of the animal was was sufficient to atone for, to cover the sin of their nakedness. Right. The fig leaves were not sufficient because there was no shedding blood. And so and I don't think that counts as death right. to cover sin, right? And that first death is a direct consequence of sin. Like it wasn't like an unintentioned or an accident right. or like I had to eat. Like, no, somebody sinned, so now somebody has to die. So it's right. a direct correlation. Like there's no no disconnect. Blood must be shed. The fig leaves are insufficient because their death is insufficient because they have no blood. Right. And so I think because that's not a death, I, I think that is not a, a life. It's not mm. a, 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 a death. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that shows a, a huge difference between the death of an animal and the death of, of fig leaves. Right. You, when you get skins that cover the nakedness and in, in, in sin and the other one is insufficient because it's not a death. Blood must be spilled for the atonement of sins. That goes into a little bit of a tangent that we didn't talk about earlier, but this is something that comes up always when we talk about, you know, after the fall, Cain and Abel, right? So right. Cain was a, a farmer. Abel worked with animals. He was a husbandry. They both bring a sacrifice. One is accepted. One is not. And the question is always like, why? And I've always heard like a million different answers for why. One is like, well, Cain didn't give his best and Abel did. Or, you know, the, the, <laughs> the reform answer is, well, because Abel was elected, Cain wasn't. But <laughs> easy peasy, right? You see, you wash your hands. You're done with that one. Let's move on. <laughs> but do you think there's any significance to the fact that one was involved the shedding of blood and one involved, you know, fruits? Because yeah. there is there is an example of like grain offerings and first fruits offering in scripture, but it's never the atonement sacrifice. Right. The holy of holies always had to be the blood on the on the altar that always had to be part of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that 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 is part of it. It it wasn't um, he had regard for Abel and his offering, right. but not for Cain, not for right? Cain. Um, the the note on that says Abel's offering, being the firstborn of his flock, is a more costly offering, hmm. expressing greater devotion. Another way to explain the difference is the first to observe that both offerings are recognizable parts of the later Levitical system for Cain's offering of the fruit of the ground, Deuteronomy 26, 2, an offspring expressing consecration, and for Abel's offering for the firstborn of his flock, Deuteronomy 15, 19, 23, a kind of peace offering, a meal in God's presence, right? Mm. But at no point does the Bible suggest that offerings work automatically as if the worshiper's faith in contrition did not matter. And Cain's fundamental bad, fundamentally bad heart can be seen in his resentment toward his brother, Mm. And in his uncooperative answers to God and the rest of his pa the passage, I think that's what I'm saying is, if Cain, all Cain had was fruit or, mm. or something to, to to offer, right? It's it's, it's the widow's might, right? Like it's right, this right. is all I have, and so that's the heart behind that offering of giving your all, but it wasn't, and so in in his fundamentally bad heart was expressed in his resentment towards Abel, mm. right? And so I think that's the. It's it's a more expensive offering. Costs you more, right? Um, and this this uh, I think assumes that Cain did have livestock to give, but didn't, or mm. something. So right, he was holding back something because right. his heart was there. Right. Mm. I think that is is more of, of why he did not have regard for his offering. Right. Mm. Instead of right. just like oh, uh, animals versus plants. You know. Right. In that right. in that context. Mm. 
but because um, they're all grain offerings, right? Right. And there are you know offerings. Drink offerings, grain offerings, right? And so it's not like it's just to talk about offering. It always requires blood, but um, the atonement of sin does, I think. Mm. And there always was animal sacrifices for that. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting too when we talk about. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but you know, kind of not. When we talk about the sacrificial system, I know in conversation we talked about too how Noah, when when he brought animals onto the boat he took clean animals yeah. for sacrificing, but like there was, there's no indication in the scripture that God expressed to him. Like, this is how I want sacrifices done. And this is why it has to be that he, it was just kind of like a, you know, it was just a thing that he did inherently. And when he got off, he made an altar and he burnt an offering and he made a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, so Moses wrote that who made the law. And so it's like, so this was, it's kind of seen as an, an anachronism, right. Of like right. clean and unclean. Well, we don't get that to the law, which was right. after Noah. And so, like, how did Noah know what the heck an unclean animal is? Right. You know, as far as that goes, I don't think it's it's uh, out of the realm of of. Uh, I think it is conceivable to think that God would just tell Noah what animals to bring and like mm. these uh, unclean animal and clean animal, and here they are. Like, you know, He provided all the all the animals to come to the ark as well. Noah didn't have to wrangle the animals. You know, God, they came by God's will. And so I think that it's it's not it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that Noah just that God just told Noah here's an unclean animal yeah here I'm gonna we're gonna call this unclean and this clean and you're gonna so so that you can sacrifice it at the end of this so um, but yeah it doesn't say he did so yeah I mean there's a lot that's weird about not weird but you know it's stuff that you don't notice in the Noah passage like that's after the flood is the first time that he's like eat any animal you want. Yeah. The first time that it comes up to this idea of like the animals eat them, they're for you to to enjoy for you know it, for survival for sustenance. Before right. that, there's no implication that it was like blessed or ordained or anything, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so death, uh, death in the garden. Yeah, I, I think the blood is important, I th- even of animals, um, and, and that being an actual death, like except for the skins. Instead of the fig leaves, insufficient because right. it's not a death. There's no bloodshed, um, and I think that, that it goes even that far back to that uh, that first sacrifice, really, to cover their nakedness. So the next thing that came out of this whole topic too was the nature of death before the fall inherently goes to the tree of life, and the 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 topic of of like debate, I guess, questioning was in what sense is it a tree of life? Like if I eat this, am I immortal or is it expressing some kind of deeper, bigger understanding about life or, and, and, and what gives or what brings that kind of thing? So I don't know. I, I for, you know, growing up evangelical generic evangelical was always like, well, it's the tree of life. If they ate it, they would live forever. And it's kind of that magical fruit idea. Not for me. I never thought that. See, I, I did. They had to re-up on the whole <laughs> immortality thing. Like well, no, just that if vitamin. they had, So my understanding was that they had never eaten it. And if they had, they would have been immortal, but they didn't, so they never attained it. Which I you know, when I did kind of look into this, that was uh Thomas Aquinas had the idea that it was magic fruit, essentially. Like it was a sustainer of life. So he took right. that approach to it. But the reform tradition, specifically Calvin talked about how it was 
sacramental. So in the same way that, you know, when we get in the baptismal, the water is not magical. Right. It's, it's just symbolic. The fruit is the same way. It's not magic fruit that, that gives you power. It's just like by partaking of this, you're demonstrating that your faith is in God as your sustainer and your, it's and like your circumcision or communion. Right. All right. You know, and it's, it's, it's a symbol of the true thing, the true source of God of life. Right. Um, but the idea that, that, that idea comes from, um, Genesis three 22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the fruit of uh, the tree of life and eat and live forever, and the sentence cuts off. Mm. Like the, the sentence is not finished. There's a dash behind that forever. And, then, and therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden. I said, well, we don't know what the rest of that sentence was. And also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever what like <laughs> that's it's like literally cut off you know so now now let's see reach out and, and, and take also the fruit of the life uh the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore what like you know let's you do that and okay and and live forever so that is the idea that the tree of life does bring live forever powers right right yeah that's kind of the idea life. but so we we get into this at church sometimes that idea that like in in modern society we have a separation between if we even think about it the spiritual and the physical realm right so like we we don't tend to think that your sin affects your physical life or your physical condition or your physical anything mm. scripturally that's not the picture that it paints like people are are sick because of their sin or their you know consequences fall on them because of their sin especially one of the texts we looked at was in James uh find it specifically but in the last chapter of james he talks about how if anyone among you is sick have the elders come pray for him and anoint him with oil and god will raise him up so we were looking at that text and i asked about it because that it's a very weird way to phrase that that god will raise him up like what what does that mean because just before that in a in a verse right above it he says if anyone is suffering let him pray. Mm-hmm. But then the next one is if anyone is sick, call the elders. So like, what's the difference between suffering and sickness that one is like, if you're suffering, you pray, but if you're sick, the elders have to come. And what's, what's weird about that passage is that it, after talking about bringing the elders to anoint him, it goes into talking about confession and salvation. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be this idea that his, his sickness is associated with, not, not maybe not his unconfessed sin is causing his sickness, but the idea is that the the healing that's promised is not physical, if that makes sense. So it's almost more to if someone's at the point of death, make sure they're reconciled to God. Like call the elders to minister to him so that God can raise him up. And that immediately draws me to like, you know, Christ when he says, I'll raise him up on the last day. He's speaking of the resurrection. Right. I don't know. How do you? It's kind of like that Calvin uh, letter. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Where it was in, I think that was the Banner of Truth magazine I was reading in. Uh, there was a letter found from Calvin where he was notif- notified of someone who uh, stabbed themselves, trying to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to him and <laughs> tells him to repent. 
the guy is like bleeding out. <laughs> and he's like, do you know what you've done is, is a slide against God. And the guy's like, yeah. He's <laughs> like, do you repent of this? And, and he's like bleeding out. And he's like, and, and so in that moment, the, the most traumatic, the most dire emergency situation, right? Calvin is, is worried about this man's soul above anything else. Right. Like, you've done this sin. You confess this and repent of it, you know? And he's like, yes. And the, and the, the guy's great. He does. And he repents. And, uh, and then he heals him and he, you know, I think he lives. And so, so it's like, but I mean, it's even in that moment, it's not just like, stop everything, stop the bleeding. It's like, this man's soul is on the line. He's about to die. Yeah. It is that kind of, that moment of like, what you're talking about, um, priorities, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. So exactly. <laughs> That is the 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 soul saving mindset of a pastor of like, look, none of this, none of the, even even in this emergency situation, first things first, your soul. <laughs> and he's bleeding out in the fifteen hundreds, so it wasn't like it was a like a peaceful bleeding out. Like, ah, ah, mm-hmm. infections and pain, <laughs> just the worst. Yeah, I know. I get I get uh, an image of um, that 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 scene from. Same private Ryan with the, the chaplains are just praying with all the oh, dudes <laughs> like last rites. Like here we go. <laughs> that got me thinking. Me. I was wondering if that's where like the idea of last rites come from. That idea of like if anyone's sick, we'll call the elders because he's not long for this world. <laughs> yeah, there, there was somebody I can't remember who who said their last rites and then lived. I think it was a president. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, now I gotta keep him. <laughs> it's horrible. It was. It was like a, a famous, uh, someone historical figure. <laughs> they brought him in, like, let the last rites, and he lived. I was like, all right, cool. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think we 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 don't. Yeah, for some reason, it's that disconnect between sin and death. Mm-hmm. Like, even though we know the wages of sin is death, we don't link them together for whatever reason i i don't understand yeah well i mean we we live in this you know this cause and effect kind of where we see that and it's like oh i got a flat tire oh what did i do Mm. it's like well you didn't do it do you think this is the penalty for your sin you know and i mean i think we do have those direct causation of like you neglected your car Mm. you know and so or something or like you I don't know. Like there's, there are consequences, temporal consequences for things that we do. People go to jail and that's paying. There, there are those things, but for their sins, but they're not paying for their sins. That's a right. consequence of what you've done to be removed from society or whatever, if you've, you know, done whatever. So that, yeah, it's not, even if, even the death penalty is not you paying for your sins. Right. Right. That's, that's the penalty. And that's a, a temporal consequence uh, is for murder or rape. But, it's not you paying for your your own sins because you're a sinner. It's an it's an impure sacrifice. You can't pay right. for your sins. Mm. So that's yeah. Your blood is not sufficient, right? Right. So uh, yeah, that's that's that whole thing. But it is important to to, to remember that um, we are forgiven in those moments uh, of of remembering grace. I think is mm. a, is a big deal too. Of like, well, this is happening because of that sin, or this is happening where I was like, well, this may be a temporal consequence of things that you've done, of, of neglecting your stuff and not taking care of things or whatever, but uh, it's not you paying for your sins. 
mm. right? A flat tire or even like losing your job or something. Like if you neglect your work and you slack off, you know, and you get fired, that's not that payment for that sin. It's a consequence of right. it's not I mean, that is a sin, right? But it's a it's a temporal consequence of those things. Well, I mean, that's the job, that's Job, right? His friends show up and they're like, Well, what did you do? <laughs> Right. <laughs> what did you yeah. do to cause this? He's like, I didn't do anything. And he's right. Man, that that's such a crazy thing of that like faith. Like, who can say that? Who can say right. like I didn't I do anything? Not, right. <laughs> I mean, how easy is it for, in, in in the average person's life to think, yeah, I've done a lot of crap. Like, yeah. you know, maybe this is you know just God getting me back or something. But but what an understanding of of God's grace and assurance of faith mm. and salvation and stuff of like uh, that's. That's crazy. I mean, the whole reason we have these questions too is because there's so little given to us about what the Edenic state was like, right? Like we don't know what their everyday life was like. We don't know what like they give you the the snippets. Like there was a mist that came up and watered the ground, and there was every green plant for food, and they walked with God. Which that alone is like, what does that look like? How does that feel right. to walk with God? But we don't really know much about. I mean, I have to imagine it's something like revelation 22 like it has to be like the end when the restored earth it's something like that but well that's what that thing i i, I think i shared it with you uh from that sprawl book um saying that eden is not the end goal mm. uh that's the hang on i think i can find it um that that wasn't the end goal eden was the starting goal um that's where it started but that's not where it was gonna Ultimate end. Look. Yeah, the, the new heavens and new earth is not gonna be Eden. Mm. It's gonna be what Eden should have become. Mm. Okay. I'm trying to find it. I can't. It was from that sprawl book. Uh, Everyone's a theologian. Mm. I thought I sent it to you guys. Um, that's such a weird thought to think that's not where that wasn't the intention because we can't think of like you know we think of Eden that was the best. It, has ever been like what else could there be right let me see no i don't have it i forgot but yeah that that is the idea like the, there was and eden was not the world eden right. was a garden in the world right and so but eden was supposed to spread and multiply and capture the world and like have dominion over the world right in the same way the gospel does or right Exactly. Like that was the initial goal. And I think that will succeed in history. Like the gospel will conquer the world um, in much of the same way uh, of that. But yeah, that was the, just the start. Like Eden was just the start. And I think, but I think there was no death. But I also think that uh, the God of scripture is a redemptive God and the fall was not, was not us thwarting God's plan A. Right. right, and plan B, animal sacrifices. Oh, uh, that's not really working out. Plan C, sun go down there. You're gonna, you know, <laughs> looks like I'm gonna have to go. To, that's not. That, that's the, dispen <laughs> the dispensational view, right? right? Of like these timeline dispensations of grace and covenants and things. Um, to clean up God, the right, the, right. God, just clean up our messes. No, God does not respond in time to that. You know, um, you you. That's an open, uh, uh, what's it called? Open theism. Open theism of like God learning and reacting to things and, 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 and a middle knowledge beyond him, right? And right. Man, uh, this tunnels of time thing. No, 
we have a covenantal theology. God is a covenantal, he makes covenants with us. And that started with the covenant of redemption made in eternity past between the three persons of the Trinity to redeem oh, creation for his glory. Mm. And each person of the Trinity fulfills their role in redemption. Right. And so that's, so that was plan A is right. to redeem. That's always, plan a. that's always a plan A was to redeem a fallen world for his glory. Well, that's so. Because that's what he is. That's the only reality that this God could have created. If this God is going to create a universe, it would be this one, right? To be redeemed. That's so, and I guess the reason—it's it, so hard to fathom that. And I guess the reason is because we think of God's character. You know, we think of Him being uh, love or just or merciful, whatever. But we don't think of the fact that redemptiveness is part of His character, right? Like that's not a thing He does; it's a thing He is. It, by nature, he is redemptive in all things. Yes. And that's just, it's so hard. I don't know why that's not emphasized more, but it's just so <clears throat> neglected. It's just thought of as like what he does and not what he is. Well, we've, we've gained, we've, we've, we've slipped into this uh, unbiblical, godless worldview of autonomy. Mm. Like, well, I am the captain of my destiny, right? That whole idea of like, you know, and it's a very American thing of like, well, personal responsibility and you pull yourself up and right. you don't work, you don't eat. And you are responsible for your own. I mean, and it's like, well, yes, that's true. But we do not, not in the sense that we dictate our own destiny. Right. That's not true. We don't have that autonomy. Right. Um, and that's not a fatalism, uh, whatever, because there is a will in, in autonomous one. It is God. And so it's not a fatalism is like, there is no will. There's no free will. Well, we believe in free will and it's God's free will. Right. Right. Like there is a will at, at play here and it's God's first. So, and a lot is so much of this comes down to anthropology, mm -hmm. right? Of like, what is man? Well, we're dirt. Like, <laughs> and that's a very like Calvinist mindset, right? Like total depravity. Right. We suck, you know, but I mean, that's just the biblical. We are the, clay pots in the potter's hands right mm -hmm. and like that we need to get that relationship straight god is god and we are not and we are his creation and he's made covenants with us and but he does not have to justify anything he does to us right right well and i mean we, people we can't get over that either we kind of uh anthropomorphize him in that sense of like we think of the covenant as equal like we're partners in covenant with god right like he holds up his end and i'll hold up my end and everything will work out. We don't have that idea of like, no, he's making a covenant with you that he intends to fulfill right. on both ends because you're not going to. Inevitably, you're not going to. Every every covenant he's made with Israel, they broke the law. Okay. With Abraham, he didn't do what was required of himself. He decided to make a son by his own means. Like every time we drop our end of it and he just has to uphold it himself. Right. And that, well, that's the intention. Yeah. Yeah, and it goes to that like that question of can you lose your salvation? Uh, yeah, you can, but <laughs> thankfully, by God's grace, it's not up to you. It's not you, it's not you by your strength holding on to God. It's Him carrying you in His strength, right? And so it's not can you lose your salvation? Yeah, but you didn't, you can't lose what you didn't earn, and you know so that this has been given to you, and it's just, it's given to you and sustained by God. So this is not your doing. You're partaking in that and you reaching up with the empty hand of great of faith, right? 
Right. And even that is a gift of God. Uh, but yeah, so that's, um, you can lose your salvation if it were up to you, but thankfully it's not. And the language can get a little murky going back to the tree of life. Cause one of the things we touched on is that the tree of life is present in Genesis. And then it starts to come back during the prophets. They talk about the, the tree of life again in, in the, in the new covenant, but specifically in revelation, the tree of life is mentioned over and over in revelation. Right. And that idea of like, he who endures to the end or whoever is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life, right? Like to the righteous one, it's given. But the, those those seven letters to the churches are always kind of used as a sort of uh, autonomy argument. Like that idea of like whoever endures or whoever lasts to the end, he I will give the right to you as if it's a reward for your good behavior. Right. Yeah, the, the, that is a – so we have to determine like what is the tree of life? What does it do? It, is it sacramental? Is it the source of life? I would say no, but, you know, I really like what – was it your pastor that said that of like water? Yes. Like it, right. so, the question is: Is water the symbol of life or the giver of life? The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so both of those things, right? It, it's both. It, it, right. it is like so. I, so that is like the tree of life did provide life for Adam and Eve in the garden, and it is also a symbol of of eternal life right. and a reward. So, I, so it has. I think in the in the biblical context, it, it it's more more has more to do with morality than mortality, right? As in like right. this magic fruit that they needed to like re up every day or every right. month or every week, like a vitamin that they had to like take as on a regimen to stay alive. I that gets into the that that strays from the point. I think, right. and so I think the point is the morality of it, and the righteous get to partake in this. Right, like you said, uh, Revelation two seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Well, that's in Revelation, and Adam did not conquer; he failed. Yeah. Right, so he no longer had the right to eat of the tree of life. And I think it is this privilege thing, and that's what we talk about in in Genesis three twenty two. Uh, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. That was by God's mercy mm. and judgment restraining Adam from, in his unrighteousness now, in his sinful state, eating of the tree of life and having eternal life in his sinful state, mm. right? Because basically, we, we don't believe in annihilation, annihilationism. We right. will go on forever, either in heaven or in hell either in grace and peace with God or in judgment and wrath and condemnation from God and hell. So either way, we're, we're going to go on forever. Right. So it's just that point, that point of, 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 and again, it goes to that sacramental thing of eating of the tree of life to your own condemnation. Right. And so God spared Adam again, in his abundance of grace in that, even though he sinned, uh, he saved him from permanently putting himself in that eternal state of sin, right? Adam, right? The, the first Adam and Eve. Um, so that, so that, and that, that also is, you know, if you eat of the bread and, and drink of the wine, and you're not a Christian, you're, right? You drink to your condemnation, right? Right. So this is not something that there's nothing in the bread in the wine that gives you life, right? Though. 
it is commanded and it is an act of obedience, just like baptism, right? right? And how circumcision was, it was never about the circumcision. It was never about the foreskin. It was never about the water. It was never about the bread, the juice, the wine, the fruit of the tree. Those things are part of it. But again, like the water, is it a symbol or is it life-giving? Yes. Like that's mm. both. But but to think that there's magic in the bat- water of the baptistry is missing the point. Right. Right. You're missing the overall point of what those things represent. And I think the tree falls in more into that. Right. Because in a lot of the context we see in just kind of verses here, Proverbs 3, 18, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Right. And then Proverbs 11, 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Right. And then uh, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Right. And how he said, what, to the one who conquers in Revelation uh, 2, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So it is this like for the chosen, for the children of the promise only, for the righteous, for the redeemed, for the saved, just like baptism and uh, circumcision and the sacrament, right? It's sacramental. Do you think, and this is just, you know, coming to me as we're speaking, that we don't understand sacramentalism because we tend to be... <laughs> Because we like, toss them out in little single serving little packets at <laughs> church to anyone who. Well, I mean, that yeah. too. That, I mean, that's a good I, point. I think we don't take the Lord's Supper as seriously and, and under, understand it as much as we should. You know, I think there's a lot of people eating of the bread and drinking of the juice to their condemnation. Like they're holding grudges against their brother, they're not doing it as a communal thing. Like, I think we don't understand communion and the Lord's Supper as crucially as we should mm. and that that that's a gap in our understanding of of but the church and do you think that comes from a tendency to try to be un-catholic yeah. <laughs> like that we don't we don't want to get catholic about everything we don't want to think there's magic water or, right. or magic bread so we, we go the other way right like, well this, this doesn't mean anything right it's just the thing we do it's like well no it does mean something right it's not you know devoid of meaning it's that Gnosticism creeping in of like, right. well, nothing physical matters. Well, I mean, no. I mean, our bodies will be resurrected from the grave. Like that is it, not just our, it's not just an ethereal, spiritual, mysti- mystical air thing. It's like the new heaven and new earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, like God created physical things and called them good and blessed them and be fruitful, multiply. And that was... There was an intention there, I think, that will be fulfilled in God's redemption, right? Uh, in His way, and and that will be. But that involves the physical. This is not just an extraction from the spiritual and the physical. Like those things both matter. The the tomb is empty, mm. right? Christ's right. body, Man, Christ's body point. is gone. Like the body is right. gone. <laughs> that's that's huge. I mean, that's everything. And it is, and it's so, man, we, and we don't, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody put it in that term. Like the body's gone. It's not just that he's alive. It's that right. yeah, he's alive and walking around in his right. body. That body is gone. Like that is, he was here in that body, that physical material body is gone. It's been, it's in its glorified state. It's been 
redeemed in that way. And it, it is somewhere, you know what I mean? So right. like, yeah, and I mean, that kind of gets into another thing we sort of talked about today is that I think maybe that's because we don't think of Christ in the way that the apostles did when, when they write about how he's the first fruits of the resurrection, right? Like we're going to be like him one day, right? Like, we're all going to be raised up and, and live in that glorified state. But I think it's because we have, maybe from good intentions, we have this idea of Christ as like over here and we're down here. Like he, he was human, but he wasn't human, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wasn't fully man. Right, he floated as he kind of floated. Right? He walked <laughs> exactly. His hair was always like perfect quaff, <laughs> even though it was a desert. And... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he was born. He got hungry. He had those, you know, he felt physical pain on the cross, and that that bloodshed is important. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's it, dude. Um, this somebody sent this thing, and it was super awesome. Uh, in our church staff thing it says. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while Mm -hmm. the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Read that again. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. That's the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam, what was the lie he believed? You will be like God. Right. Right? Did he? Did God say that? Eat of the fruit of the tree. You'll you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Well, that's every sin is wanting to take God's place. Right. Right. That's sin. That's the essence of sin. And the essence of salvation is God substituting Himself for man. So I mean, that's huge. Like that's the great exchange, right? Of right. The first Adam and the second Adam. Our sin for His righteousness. Mm. Right. Our name on His homework. Like. Right. <laughs> and he in Christ had to. Not only die a death we never could, somebody could be crucified, right? right? Somebody could be beaten, somebody could be all those things. But n- anyone who would have done that would have n- not fulfilled the law perfectly and right. lived a sinful, uh, a sinless life. Right. So he not only died the death we could never die, he lived the life we never could. Mm. Right. Because we're born in Adam, he's not. Right. He was not. He was basically born saved. He was not born in sin as we were in a sinful state to begin with. Right. Of totally depraved, dead in spirit, alive, and by, you know, he he's not born of Adam. He's not have an earthly father. He's not born in sin as we are. So in that, uh, he lived that life and followed the law perfectly, hundred percent, sinless that we can never do, and no one has ever done. Right. And then died the death we never could. That's that's such a weird concept because I think even I do it too. We'll read the verse where it says that he was tempted in all the ways that are common to a man. Like I don't think about that. Like, everything that I've been tempted in him too. It's not like it's unique to us. Like, oh, he doesn't, you know, every yeah. way. Like, yeah, every way. Yeah. Well, and that, and that, and that, you know, always goes into, uh, did he play the God card in that? I was like, well, of course he didn't say he's God. Right. So like, so when he's tempted, it's different. Right. right? And I think it is because he, he was not born. He, his, his nature was different than ours, right? We have right. sin nature. He didn't. And so it is different, but he had the power of the Holy Spirit. In in those instances of temptation, it was not uh, his, his divine nature right. that helped him resist. It was his human nature 
indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Right. That resisted temptation. Exactly. We have that's that's what we have. Right. Right. He was born in the state in which we're regenerated into. Right. So right. focus on that because we talked about this before uh, out when, you know, you talked about how we, we think of ourselves as sinners who are saved. And it's like, no, when you're saved, you're not a sinner anymore. You're a new right. creation. Yeah. It's that identity thing. So right. Jesus was born in that identity of saved, basically. Right. Now, we are brought into that identity once we're regenerated, once we're redeemed and saved. We have a new identity. Put off the old man, like Paul said. Put on the new man, right? And so, in this culture of authenticity, yeah, <laughs> be your authentic self, Christian. As in, find your identity in Christ. Mm. You know, and it's so crazy. I read this. Uh, I was reading uh, Spider Man Noir. Um, <laughs> oh, it's like oh six man. Those are the best yeah, comics, you know, man. Those are like the best comics, man. But um, anyway. Uh, Peter Parker is struggling again with the whole with great power comes great responsibility, yada yada, right? Right. And uh and, and Aunt May tells him that. She's like, you know, Peter, with great power, he's like, I, I got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's facing this kind of moral dilemma of like, I can't save everyone, but I have the power to save these people, so I should, and is this my job? Whatever. So he's kind of struggling with that kind of moral question. And Aunt May tells him, and this is so cool, because I I was like, man, this is like such a good correlation of Christianity. Um, she says, I can't tell you what to do, but I, all I can do is remind you who you are. Mm. I was like, Oh man, that's such a great, uh, a picture of, of Christian accountability. Right. It's like, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I can remind you who you are. Right. Which is a child of God, mm. which is you find your new identity in Christ. That's who you are. Mm. So live like it. Right, I'm not going to give you a list of to dos of here, here's right. what to do and here's the here's the lifestyle program steps of being a Christian. No, you find your identity in Christ. Mm. That's who you are are now, Christ like. So act like it. Mm. And, and, and guess what? With the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit, like Christ had, you can. And in in those moments of temptation, you can resist those t that temptation the same way Jesus Christ did mm. with the Holy Spirit. Right. That's what it means that he didn't play the God card. Right. That's what it means right. in those instances of temptation, because he his nature is different. But so is ours now. Now that we've been regenerated. Mm. Right. So that's huge for, for a huge encouragement to Christians facing temptation and trying to conquer sin, trying to mortify sin and the actual power by God's grace with the Holy Spirit to do that. Mm. And, and I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And man, it's real. It's a real thing. And I know it's so hard in those, those, those times of, of temptation and fall of sin and just backsliding and, and whatever you want to call it. it it's hard. I, I know to think that I will never conquer this. This is just going to be here, a uh, you know, thorn in my flesh, right? Though, right? For my whole life. It's like, you're not giving the Holy Spirit enough power, uh, uh, enough credit, you know, like, come on, like, where's your faith in, in being able to conquer uh, these sins and grow in your faith and understand new things and God to change the desires of your heart, right? To give you a, a heart of gratitude to not be dissatisfied with yeah. things and fall into sin of, of, of lust or uh, 
discontent just, yeah, or anything. Grumbling. Just grumbling is grumbling yeah. and just or or idolatry of your job or idolatry of your family or any of these things that that, that come into play for a Christian. Um yeah, man, I, I think we don't give the Holy Spirit enough credit, and I think we don't understand the Holy Spirit enough. I think it is just this kind of weird thing that no one knows how to talk about, so we don't in the church. <laughs> a part of that so, too, to I our think, detriment, I think. Yeah, I think we when we talk about you know defeating sin or conquering sin, we think of like dig deeper, go mm-hmm. you know muster yourself, self control, pull yourself out of it. And you know, I know time and time again when I when I've hit a wall and it's like, man, I'm here, I need to overcome. I go into myself and there's nothing there. <laughs> my cup is empty. My well is dry, like uh, right. in and of myself. I right. cannot do this. But it's like you said, the Holy Spirit is the source. That's the that's the sustainer, not your own goodness, your own I know better, your own morality or whatever it may be. Right. And I think so often we want that magic tree, mm. right? Isn't there just a pill I can take? Isn't there just a tree, I, a fruit I can eat to add to my diet, you know? Mm. It's like, mm, yeah, but the the source of that life is God, is God in Christ and the Holy Spirit in you, right? Mm. So it's not the fruit, it's not the communion cracker, it's not the baptistry water, it's not the foreskin, you know. It, <laughs> it is the covenant that you've been adopted into, right? Mm. And, and and you are a child of God now. So live your authentic self and be that way, right? Our pastor, he- he kind of brought this up last two weeks ago in church. He was talking about kind of it was it was a weird kind of sermon, but it was more talking about like our, our failing kind of as a church culture to really understand that idea of like equipping to live in the spirit. And he was talking about how, you know, a lot of times we'll be dissatisfied and saying we're not getting anything out of church. Nothing's coming from church. Why am I even going? And he's like, well, it's because all week you live to the flesh and you think two hours on Sunday is going to be enough to sustain you. Yeah in your life. And it's like, man, that's so true. Like how many days do we not pray? Are we not in the word? What is, the whole idea is abide in me as I, and I'll abide in you. Just like the branches can do nothing apart from the vine. You can do nothing apart from me. And we just think we can like, no, I'm good. I'm good today. I'm feeling good. I got it. Yeah. It is that re up mentality, right? Yeah. It's just like that boost that, you know, and, and if that, if that's how you're looking at the tree for Adam and Eve, you're, you're kind of missing the point. It wasn't just like, oh, take your tree of life fruit today. You're you're one a day. You know, vitamin. It's like, it's like yes, they took it every day. Yes, they took it all the time. Yes, they they partook in that. But that you're missing the point. Like that's not there's no magic powers of the fruit and citrus juice and seeds and the rind. You know what I mean? It's it's the source of that life. Right. Right. So so again, it's both. Yes, it is sustainer of life and a symbol of, of the life. So, right. yeah, I think that's that's totally true. And it um, kind of goes to the the we don't connect the two, but the manna in the desert, like God provided manna every day. But when they tried to hoard the manna, it was rotten by the morning. Right. Like, don't focus on the thing. Focus on the giver of right. the thing. That's huge, dude. Yeah, totally. I, didn't, I never think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, we try to stockpile what we can, and right. it's like you're, you're focusing on the thing. It's like Scrooge McDuck and his <laughs> <laughs> diving in his pile of money. <laughs> that was, again, in James, man. He talks about to the rich, and he talks about how you've hoarded your treasures on earth in the last days, and the rust and the rot are going to testify against you. Like, 
You're you're polishing the brass on the right. Titanic, man. Just <laughs> go down. Uh, the gospel and Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> Do an episode on that, dude. Oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> yes, it's you know I'm, I'm reading Judges right now. Judges is like the Tarantino book of the Bible. <laughs> I'm just expecting at the end of Judges to be like, written, directed by Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> there, it's, it's ju- man. Where's that movie? <laughs> you know what? It exists. Come on, Hallmark movie. Channel. Make no. a judges movie. Because it's they don't they wouldn't do it right. That's the problem. Like I've on, never pure seen... flicks. <laughs> Let's see judges. I think I I'm almost 100 percent positive pure flicks made a Samson movie, <laughs> and it's not good with Kevin Sorbo. No, no, they got some young like Aren't some young guy. No. Samson. <laughs> That'd be horrible. That would be the Hallmark version. Zena, Deborah shows up and <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> yes, that's the pure flame movie. I want to see judges <laughs> with Samson. I want to see them just do the chapter where the Levite and his concubine travel into town. <laughs> just that one. <laughs> just do that one. There's no there's no morality at the end. Oh Everybody's God, horrible. Saw. It's saw. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we talked about before uh, why why is that in the Bible? Like, why is it so graphic? Why are the details so harsh? Uh, and I think to an extent, it's kind of because we forget the depths of our own depravity sometimes. Yeah, man. And it's like I mean, all, all of those things that, that happened because that's something we're all capable of. You know, we really do. I'm reading Judges right now. I'm reading through uh, like Joshua through – Mm-hmm. Kings and saying Sam and stuff. Uh, and I'm reading with uh, along with this uh, commentary by Robert Alter. And it's not a Christian commentary. Mm-hmm. It's a more secular commentary. Okay. And it's funny to see, because every commentary you read is a, is a Christian, biblical, right. faithful commentary. But this one's not. This is like a totally just uh, godless worldview historical look, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see, like, he's like... Clutching his pearls at this. <laughs> Judges are just like the violence and brutality. Of... <laughs> no, you're just not getting it. <laughs> it's funny to see like some funny. scholar, some like uh, godless biblical scholar looking at this. <laughs> Dr. White, I know you started listening to the dividing line today, but he was talking about uh, the story of Lot and the angels in, in Sodom. And he, he kind of walks through this analogy, like imagine you're one of those men outside of, uh, outside of the house and you're trying to bang on the door and suddenly everything goes black. And, you know, he's saying in his mind, he has to picture like there's a moment of just dead silence where everybody goes blind and they realize it. And they start to figure out like, I can't see. And then they all find each other. And then they go back to trying to get into the house. And he's like, that's the part where it's like, oh, my God. Like, if you were struck blind for something you're doing, you would think you would stop immediately. But no, right. they're like, well, this is a minor setback. We're going to get what we came here for. Right. Well, that, that that's that idea of people happily going yes. to hell. No one that, – that, that's the thing. Like, oh, well, they'll know – there's no atheists in hell. No, I think they still think they're right. Mm. You know what I mean? 
and, yeah. and, and that they're being done some grave injustice. Right. While well, I gave to the poor, right. why am I here? I, that that's the sound of hell, right? And and, and it is, and, and it's this um, the, the the best picture I think that we've seen in, in modern film is Gollum clutching the ring as right. he falls into the lava of Mount Doom. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, he's happy. He's gained. I got it. He's 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 gotten it. Right. right to his own destruction, mm. right into hell, happily falling into the lake of fire. Like, I think that's that's how it goes. It's not this like, oh, no, I was wrong. Oh, God, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's this, right. well, you're wrong, God. Right. I this think is worth it. Right. It's, it's like, well, I'm, I'm still right. I still got, you know, mm-hmm. I'm do, I'm, in, I'm owed. I'm, I've done, been done an injustice. And yeah, I think that's the the sound of the path to hell. I, that too, we were, I was talking about that with Maggie this week because we were talking about another situation similar and she was like why do they not realize like hey this isn't working <laughs> like because they don't care it doesn't matter like they yeah. want that even to their detriment and it's it's cool in that scene too because frodo is corrupted at that moment right right like he's gonna drop the ring and he's like no i'm not i'm keeping right. it and the mercy in that is that he loses his finger right and it kind of goes back to the idea of like if your right hand offends you cut it off and cast it away from me right like that was the the, the mercy of that moment was that he lost his finger otherwise he would have been like Gollum in that pit. Right. But it's not your eye or your hand that caused you to sin. It's your heart. Right. And that's what's plucked out and removed mm-hmm. and exchanged. Right. Um, right. Because your heart, your, I mean, your eye and your, your, and your, and your hand would be an insufficient mm-hmm. sacrifice. Those don't, you, you sin with those things, but they right. don't cause you to sin. Your heart does. And that's what it's exchanged. It's the circumcision of the heart. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The peeling so off not, right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I think we solved everything. <laughs> There's no more questions to be asked. That's it. <laughs> Squashing all our problem passages <laughs> right here. <laughs> so one thing I want to bring up before we go, because I want to, I want to put this out there and see, I kind of put it feelers out earlier in the week and some people said yes. And that was kind of the full consensus, but I want to see if people are really into this idea. So um, one of the things that's going on right now, just in our, our personal life, Solomon involved in ministry at his church. I'm, sort of getting involved in mine. Uh, so I'm going to be leading a Bible study at church. And as that's going on, we're talking about it and I'm writing notes. And and we thought of this idea of doing something like a primer. Uh, the one that we're starting with is Revelation, just because that's what I'm working on right now. So we'll probably, you know, easiest way to start is just have what you already have. But taking passages like that, you know, Revelation, Romans, or topics like circumcision or election or, you know, the eternal state or whatever, and doing a small, simple, condensed primer. Like if you have a question, start here. This isn't the definitive. This isn't the authoritative. But this is a starting point. And, and try to do it in kind of a plain English, non-academic, non-dense kind of way. Uh, that really appeals to us because we're both nerds. But the question is, would anybody actually want that? Or would that be something that people would find useful or helpful in any way? So uh, just putting the question out there, if, if, you know, comment on this video, hit us at the email, uh, timeandplacepod at gmail.com. If that's something you guys would be interested in, that's something that we would really like to do. Just because we know, you know personally, there's always subjects that we come across like theonomy or like postmillennialism. And we're like, well, where do I start? And the book is, you know, like this. And it's somebody's dissertation on it. And it's like, oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> I don't have the will to read that right now. 
So just something bite-sized and condensed. Like this is this is a starting point. And then here's some other stuff you can go forward with. So if anyone's interested in that, let us know because that's something we'd really, really like to do. We always want to do something in print anyway just to have something that's going to stand the test of time. So yeah, yeah, I like that primer. Yeah, as, as a as a as a primer, because it's like, look, we're not we're not going to be the definitive word on Calvinism, All right? Uh, but but start here, kind of like we get questions all the time of like, hey, what do you talk? What do you mean? What what's, what's this post mill thing? What are you talking about post millennialism? It's like, oh, I know, like <laughs> so much, like <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a condensed. I like that primer of kind of like place to start. It's good. Yeah, so that's the idea. Uh, next week is going to be interesting. We're going to have a brother from out of country. So uh, our friend Bailey Mullins put us in touch with somebody else uh, over in the UK. So we're going to have him on. We're going to get the time set up. Hopefully we're on enough close enough time where he'll be awake during all this going on. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a look at what the church looks like somewhere else. I think we have this tendency, especially now during the election season and everything going on, that we're looking at America and what's going on here. And you know, let's just touch in. Let's touch base with somewhere else and say, what do you guys see? What does it look like outside looking in? What does your church context look like? What's the international church look like? Because right. whether we think about them or not, those are also the church. Those are also our brothers. So you know, right. let's touch base. Let's see how things are going. Yeah. Until then, you know, share, like, subscribe, comment. Um, questions. We'll look back at them. So we go back. We do go back and look at the comments. If you have any show suggestions, things you'd like to hear, uh, anything like that, let us know. But until then, this is the time. This is the place. We'll see you guys next week.